With Parshas Va'era, we are finally introduced to the incredible display of makos that were performed in Mitzrayim against Paro and all of the Egyptians. And with the makos, we have several fascinating possibilities of conversations that can be had about what each of the makos were, how they were manifest, and of course, what we can learn from them. And with that in mind, I wanted to give some attention to one of the more interesting makos, and that is makas arov, literally the plague of the mixture. And the question is, a mixture of what? So we're all familiar with the leading opinion in Chazal, which we know from when we were kids, and that is Arov is a mixture of wild animals, different beasts. We got to enjoy the illustrations as kids, we got to color them in, and we know you got the lion, the tigers, and the bears, and the omais, and that's one opinion, again, which, with which we're all familiar. However, did you know there are other opinions, other possibilities, even within Chazal, within the Rishonim, of what Makas Arov actually was? And beyond that, the Chumash tells us some interesting things about Makas Arov. So, for example, Hashem tells Moshe to warn Paro with the following words, Hirini, behold, Mashliach Becha, I'm going to send against you, Uvavadechu Vaamcha, against your servants and against your nation, Uvivatecha, and in your houses, Esa Arov, the mixture. And then the Pasuk continues, Umal'u Batei Mitzrayim Esa Arov, and the houses of Egypt, they're going to be filled with Arov, v'gam ha'dama asher aleha, and also the ground upon which they are. The question is, what does that line mean? And also the ground upon which they are? After you told me that they're going to come against the people, they're going to come into the houses, so then you tell me that the houses are going to be filled with them, and also the ground upon which they are. What exactly does that mean? Well, try to understand what exactly Arov was, and what that line means, where exactly the wild things were as we enter another dimension. One not only of Pshat, but of Remez, Josh, and Sod, a journey into a mystifying paradise of Parsha and imagination, an area which we call the Parsha Pardes. Welcome to Parsha Pardes, or Parsha Paradise, here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, where we are in Parsha Siva Era, and once again, we are looking at Makas Arov. So what, in fact, was Makas Arov? So again, we're familiar with the position that Arov were a bunch of wild animals, different creatures, different species, that all somehow came together in an incredible, miraculous display to target the Egyptians. Um, But beyond that, there's another opinion in the Midrash, Um, not just the opinion that it was wild animals, but we have the opinion um, that can be found in Yud Aleph, Gimel in the Midrash Rabbah, and you also find it in Tanchum, I believe, in Parshas Va'era, and that is um, not the opinion of Rabbi Huda, but the opinion of Rabbi Nechemia that Arov were not wild beasts, but they were different kinds of flies or hornets, which I guess would have resembled uh, Makas Kinim or Makas Arbe from next week's Parsha, maybe a little bit of Tzvardea, how they're going to fill up the houses. It's definitely a different illustration, a different image um, um, than, than the image that we're familiar with. But that's another opinion that's out there, even though the Midrash seems to conclude um, in favor with the opinion that it was wild animals. Thank God, because that's the more interesting one. But um, but all, but all seriousness... Um, um, the Rashbam gives a, a third possibility that Arov is actually the name of a species of wolves, interestingly enough. So we have a few different pshatim of what the Arov might have been, but let's talk about what that line meant and what exactly is the point of Makas Arov, which we'll try to understand. So the the, the line which which states that v'gam ha'dama asher and also the ground upon which they are, so says the Ben Ezra, the Nitziv, and the Tur, 
What this line is intimating is that the Arov will not only fill up the houses of the Egyptians, but it's even going to fill up the uninhabited areas, even the Adama Sherhem Aleha. Meaning, what? That apparently, that there's really going to be nowhere to hide when the animals are coming from you. Yes, they're climbing into your windows and snatching your people up, but there's going to be nowhere to hide, not your kids, not your wife, and not yourself. You might think, okay, I'm not safe in my house. Maybe I'll go to the uninhabited areas where the animals won't be. And the answer is no. The animals will even get you there. So that's uh, the suggestion of the Ibn Ezra, the Mitziv, and the Tur. However, the Sfarno takes a different position, which understands that Arov was uh, not just the wild mammals, but different reptilian creatures as well. And explains the Svarna that even if you think you can block up your doors and you can, um, and you can uh, maybe block things from coming into your house, which of course they couldn't, but even if they thought they could, even the ground upon which the houses were, there can be snakes that will creep in from under the ground and still make their way into the house. There will be no way to avoid the animals from getting in. Um, even even the ground un, immediately directly underneath the house, um, there are going to be animals coming from there as well. That's the Svarno. And you look at the Midrash Lakachtov, Chesiyad Zion, they suggest that the Vagam HaDamah is referring to the fields and the vineyards and the cities, meaning not just the houses, yes, of course the houses, but all the other areas too are going to be filled with these animals perhaps similar to the other pshat that we suggested, that there's just going to be nowhere to hide. But these are all different pshatim on what does it mean, v'gam ha-demah Now, we'll give a drash in just a few moments to explain another fascinating way to understand v'gam ha-demah but we'll just um, digress for a second to give a remez on on uh, Makas Arov. In fact, we'll give a couple of Ramazim. The first one offered by the Chachmas Anach. The Chachmas Anach um, focuses on the word Mashliach. Hinni Mashliach Bacha. Behold, I'm going to send against you. Now, just parenthetically, the Bechar Shor um, says that this is a play on words. Zalashon nofel alashon, because um, um, Hashem explained that if Paro does not send forth, if he's not Mishaleach, the Jews, to send them forth from Egypt, guess what? We're going to send free and send forth against you all the wild animals. We're going to dispatch them. We're going to free all the animals from the zoo, so to speak, and they're going to attack you. But anyway, the Chachmas Hanach explains that this word Mashliach is actually an anagram. If you do a Bilbal Osios, you flip, flip around the letters a little bit, and Mashliach becomes Limashiach. And explains to the Chachmas Anach that this is a reference to the fact that when Mashiach comes, there's going to be a similar display of wild animals going crazy. If you think it's crazy in Egypt, just wait till the time that Mashiach comes, you're going to see even more wild display. In a similar vein, we have the Balaturim, who points out that we have in this particular Makkah, um, Hashem makes reference to a Fidus, Vesamti Fidus. I'm going to place a, a, a redemption, a pidyon, in, in the midst. Um, and what and, and what what if what is this a reference to this fidus? So the Balaturim points out that we have here one fidus, one form of a redemption or a restitution of sorts. We'll have to explain what it means. But says the Balaturim later, when the times when Mashiach is going to come, there's going to be harbei fidus, a reference to the time that we find this word in in Tehillim Kuflamid. And in Tehillim Kuflamid, when this word, it's a reference to a multiplication 
of redemptions, an exponentially greater amount of redemptions or a greater quality of redemption that's going to take place eventually when Mashiach comes. Now, what exactly is the redemption over here? So, Pashup Shad, it seems to be that there's going to be a redemption in, during Makas Arov, there's going to be a sort of a redemption or a restitution of the Jews, which almost makes it seem like there's a reason to believe that the Jews should have been hit as well, but they weren't. They were somehow redeemed during Makas Arov. So, in fact, Rashi and Ibn Israel understand that the Fidus taking place was a differentiation. Uh, the Hashem is being Mavdil between the, you know, between Israel and Amim, so to speak, between Israel and the Mitzrayim. And, um, however, not all the Mepharshim like this explanation because normally Fidyon has a, uh, has a financial component to it, a f- financial connotation, that there's an exchange tit for tat. So the question is, what's the exchange here? So the Malvim explains that what the exchange is is that any place where Ben Yisrael should have been hit, an Egyptian is going to be hit in his place. And the, um, the Nitziv gives a different explanation but under, you know, with the same idea, he explains that if there would be a Ben Yisrael who deserved to be hit, maybe he wasn't really worthy of surviving. And let's say you have a Gentile in Egypt who was not really worthy of being punished. So believe it or not, says the Nitziv, Hashem would have made a restitution, he would have made an exchange, and instead of hitting a Jew who deserved to die during Makas Arov, instead Hashem um, would actually hit uh, a Gentile who maybe was mediocre. And why would this happen? So you could explain that part of it is just the natural danger of wild animals running amok. So, so everyone's really in danger. And we'll, we'll, we'll quote later the, uh, an idea with um, which maybe we're familiar, and that is that when the when the mashchus is given rishus to go wild, so anything in its path is going to get killed. So in this case. Um, only Jews were spared. Everyone else was, um, was was allowed to be hit. But anyway, these are just a couple of ramazim on on um, on makas arav. We have the word mashliach and we have the word fidus. Now moving back over to drash, we have the Vilna Gaon, the gra, and the Chanukah Satora, and they come back to explain another meaning to the words v'gam ha'adama asher heimalel. Also, the ground upon which they are. What is the Chumash trying to tell us? So at first we thought that it meant that the animals are going to fill up all of the areas, not just the house, but they're going to fill up even the different grounds of, of Egypt. However, it says the Gra and the Chanukah Satora, no, what the Chumash is saying is that not only are the Arov, the mixture of animals, going to fill the houses of Egypt, but even the ground upon which they are, meaning that even the habitats, the natural habitats which the animals need to survive and to navigate, the habitats are going to follow the animals into the Egyptian homes. And explains the Vilna Gon in the Hanukkah Satora, this is a particular reference to a particular creature, the Adne Hasada, also known as the Yadoni or the Yadoa, different names for it, but the creature that resembles a human but has an umbilical cord that attaches its, its body to the ground, it gets its sustenance from the ground. If the umbilical cord is severed, the animal will die. And so how could such an animal end up in the house of the Egyptians? He needs to be, he needs to be on the ground. And the answer is, even that is going to enter the homes. So perhaps even the polar bears who need the, the Arctic you know, area to be with them, and maybe the sea creatures which normally need the water, so all of their habitats are going to come with them so the animals can act in full force and all the animals can be inside the houses of the Egyptians. Thus explains um, the Vilna Gon and the, and the Hanukkah Satora, a miraculous manifestation that took place with the Arov. And now coming back to the idea of 
the redemption and also more of the miraculous display of Arov, we take a look at the Sod, the Kabbalistic aspect of it. And with that, I give you the Ma'arechas Ha'alohos in Aleph Hey. So this is a Kabbalistic Sefer which explains the true Hashgacha of Makas Arov. We know that Hashem says that when Makas Arov is going to come, this is going to show everyone that I am Hashem and I am Bekeravaretz. I'm in the midst of the land. We see that Hashem is involved in the world. There's divine Hashgacha. How is this manifest? Says the Ma'arechas Ha'alohos, the idea of Arov that's displayed here is that Hashem didn't leave the world to chance. Even as he allowed Amashchus to run wild and destroy things, even as Hashem allowed the damaging forces to engage in the world, Hashem didn't just leave it at that. He didn't just leave them there. In a similar vein, the Meshachachma says on the words, perish al echad machablim. You know, even though you know, I'm, I'm going to send the machablim and I'm going to send the damaging forces, nonetheless, v'yafal pikein, v'flesi bayomahu, I'm going to differentiate on that day. Right, even though I'm giving rishus to the mashchus, who's not mafchin, he doesn't differentiate between good and bad, innocent, not innocent. Nonetheless, there's going to be a pella here. The wonder is, look at how the Jews are going to survive all of it. Not one Jew is going to be killed from the Arov. Not one Jew is going to be injured or attacked by the Arov. We see the Fidus taking place. We see the Hashkacha Sashem taking place in this Makkah. So many different miraculous manifestations that the whole ground, the habitats of the animal had to follow them there. And whatever, um, you know, whatever it meant that the, the ground followed them, apparently the idea is that not only did these animals enter all areas of Egypt, but they did that while targeting only one kind of person, an Egyptian, and not a Jew. And they did this with the full comfort of their habitats being with them, that they were able to do this. What an incredible makkah it was. If we take one thing away, we should recognize that, yes, he is Hashem and he is Bekerev He There's Hashkacha, he's in, involved in all of our lives and in all of our affairs. And we should be Zohar, that that Hashkacha should continue to protect us from all damaging forces. Have a wonderful Shabbos.